0: Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamic Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. How are my peeps doing? I trust that my peeps are all doing very, very well. I trust that my peeps are doing well. Looking at the screen here, we have quite a few of you here already. Lee Grant from Montgomery County is in the house. We have Bridge MCP from Bringing Tom, Nueva York, is in the house. Mike Seasack from Missouri. Is in the house. Michael Rutnan from Brooklyn, New York is in the house. Uh, let's see what else we got. We also have, we also have Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain, is in the house. And the one and only beautiful event, Avery Herod, is in the house. We have a great, hey, was that a Super Bowl or was that a Super Bowl? You know, uh, first of all, it was a great Super Bowl. I'm talking about action in the field. And second of all, it was a great halftime. I thought, I don't know about you guys, but I thought Usher knocked it out of the park. I really thought Usher knocked it out of the park. I think he, I mean, even though it seemed like there were some microphone problems in the beginning, I think he knocked it out of the park. But anyhow, folks, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, There was a hoopla, the right wing machine is going berserk. And why are they going berserk? Because people decided they wanted to have what they normally call the Black National Anthem. Lift up your voice. I think that's how it goes, right? You know what I'm talking about. They call it the Black National Anthem, right? Uh, Let me see if I can see the story here and bring it up for you. I hope the story is still here. That uh you know, I, I saw the story and I'm like, are you guys really gonna raise hell about uh the the black national anthem that you know all it all it is is you know trying to get people uh included, right? And uh, uh you know, some of the guys are saying, Oh my god, that is divisive. Uh, really. Uh, really? I mean, the right wing is going berserk. The right wing. Let me let me I want to look it up here the right way. Black national anthem. And I want to say put in their right wing. Because right wing folks, they are going berserk. And I don't understand why they're saying, Oh, it is it is divisive and all that sort of thing. And I'm trying to figure out. Let's see. Matt Gates says it's race baiting. Okay. He said it's race baiting. All right. Let, let's let let's, let's look at something here because uh, Matt Gates says race baiting big. Uh, let's see. Big game before the <laughs> – he says, Matt, represent – let me put it on the screen because I, I want you guys – and then we're going to get it in the program. But I think this is – I actually think this is sort of, uh, like, important. Uh wait a minute, let's see. Why am I why don't I have this on the screen? Oh, I see why because it's a different browser. Let me let me get it into the right browser so that I can get get the right thing here. So, guys bear with me as I kind of fix this stuff up here, but I want to talk about this. I really want to that's wrong one, wrong one, wrong one. I really want to talk about this and the reason I want to talk about this madre carajo lo perdi lo perdi okay let's let's do it again uh black national anthem matt Gates. let's see what matt gates had to say okay here we go this is matt gates now right representative matt gates declared sunday he wasn't going to watch the bowl over performing of the national black the black national anthem before the game the song Lift every voice and sing. A very positive thing, right? Lift every voice and sing. I mean, it's a nice, nice thing, right? Uh, the words were penned by NAACP leader James Weldon Johnson in 1900 and set to music by his brother, John Rosamond Johnson. The song was later used for inspiration about the civil rights. Okay? And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. Gates represented a supposed conversation with his wife, Ginger, on X to spew his racial charge hour. Wife, today is a Super Bowl. Me, we aren't watching. Wife, why? Me, they're desecrating America's national anthem by playing something called the Black National Anthem. Wife, uh, does that mean Cardi is performing? Uh, Wife, uh, uh, shortly before the kickoff, Grammy, Andre sang Lift Every Voice and Sing. So let's stop a little bit. You read the words of Lift Every Voice and Sing. Okay? Read, read the words. And they call that divisive, right? But here's what I want everybody to read. The national anthem that we are all supposed to sing and be proud of. The national anthem here. It has a third verse. And in that third verse of the national anthem of the United States, black people are desecrated. So here we have a loving song, Lift Every Voice and Sing. And let me go ahead and find the words for Lift Every Voice uh, and Sing, right? Let's the lyrics. I should. I shouldn't say lyrics. I should say the lyrics. Because I want to show you how distorted, unfair, and uh, uh, how people just want to stuff things down your throat. And they're telling you, "Yes, so we don't care about your feelings, or we don't care that we've wronged you, we don't care about any of those things." All right. Now I, I and and I, I look. I, I'm I'm showing you the what's what's on that song lift every voice and sing till uh, earth and heaven ring ring with the harmonies of liberty let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies let it resound loud as the rolling sea sing a song full of faith that dark past has taught us the dark past we've had has taught us okay now continue reading the entire thing that i have there for the Black National Anthem. It's all uplifting. It's all about God. It's all about good stuff. We have come treating our path through the blood of the slaughtered, out of the gloomy past, till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. All positive. That is the anthem that, you know, some people like to call the Black National Anthem. It's all positive. Completamente positivo. Now. Let's go to the song that is our national anthem of the United States of America. And the third verse says this. And this is, remember, uh, uh, Francis Scott Key is on that, while the bombs are glaring, he's on that key writing this stuff, right? He's on. Look at what it says on the third verse. And where is the band who so vauntedly swore? That the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more. Their blood has washed out, their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the harling and slave from the terror of fight on gloom of the grave. Nothing, nothing. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. I mean, which is the loving song here? Which is a song that gives all Americans a positive feeling? Even as we've gone through a time when people have murdered, pilfered, and, and committed genocide. Think about this, people. Matt Gates and all these guys want to make a big deal all you had to do is sit your butt down and listen to the, this other anthem that's all you had to do it's a positive song for us all but you gotta raise hell about it oh they're messing with america when america looks down and even in the national anthem of america even in the national anthem no refuge could save the heroin and slave no refuge could could listen again the words no refuge could save the heroin and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave okay actually that what we call the black national anthem should just be called the national anthem because at least that one isn't saying that one doesn't say from the terror, doesn't say no refuge could save the heroin and slave. No refuge can save the heroin and slave. That is what you want us to sing. You know, yesterday I was on a blog, uh, a, a podcast with WBAI in New York. And it was myself and two white guys. And we were talking about Netanyahu Biden and the Muslim that what we're going to talk about today. And that is the event that I went to today with the Muslim, uh, the Muslims had for uh, for Cornell Cornell West. And we were talking about it. And then I said, yeah, as it turns out, Biden is in real trouble. And one of the reasons is that he's losing one of the major flank. And that is people of color. And one of the guys said, sorry, I'm not, not, I'm paraphrasing. He said, well, you know, it's really bad, and yes, I understand, but remember that, you know, uh, when you look at the, the Trump option, is so much worse than the Biden option. And I see that, but what I told them, I said, you know, the reason why many people can sit back and wait for Netanyahu to decide to change positions Wait for Netanyahu to say, okay, I'll stop killing Palestinians now. I'll stop destroying the infrastructure and buildings now. Yeah, 1,200 Israelis were murdered, killed, terrorism against them, but their infrastructure still stands. But most of their people still stand and can walk the streets. Even with the pipe bombs flying in the air, our American tax dollars are shooting them out of the sky if and when they show up. So twelve hundred I mean uh, Israelis, got killed. Now we have over thirty thousand, if we count those that are still hidden in the rubble, dead. And Biden goes goes ahead and like, I wish Netanyahu would stop doing it. Netanyahu is being irresponsible, and you know it's nonchalant. Let's let's just hope that he does better. Let's hope. And I said to them, I said, let me tell you how I want you to see what's occurring in Palestine through the eyes of most people of color that have been oppressed before. Because what they see is is an American president that isn't necessarily interested in creating any friction with a particular section of the white Jewish community. APAC and will try to convince netanyahu to stop the killing but while he's convincing netanyahu not to stop the killing the killing continues as opposed to saying netanyahu you will stop or the influx of monies and arms cease to occur if if a people of color who are used to being who's not who are never taken seriously who are allowed to feel pain others aren't necessarily allowed to Panama getting to get Noriega killing a bunch of Panamanians didn't matter we don't do that in any country in Europe we don't do that in any country where where there is not an excess of melanin so i'm talking to my brothers on WBAI and I'm saying, see it through my eyes. And a lot of people of color are used to pain. So the pain of Donald Trump will not be as bad to them to the pain of Donald Trump for those with privilege. So many a times they will say, "I just because my, the brothers and sisters that I've supported in the movement for all this time, that they're asking me to take one more for the one more for the group. Take one more for the group. We are not going to fight for reparations. We're not going to fight to stop the that what's going on in, in, in Israel in, in Gaza. We're not going to fight to say your life has the same value as mine. You see? And that is what's occurring in America right now. And the Muslim community that I went to, uh, the the event that I went to on Saturday, was a perfect and clear example about, you know what? We have been given money all along. We've been supporting the party. We've been supporting Biden. And Biden did not have the decency. To come to the Muslim community and say, you know what, I am going to be that central figure to mediate and not take sides. But America has taken a side against Muslims. And it doesn't matter all the words that you want to say. When you allow your 2,000 pound bombs to decimate buildings. I'm sure you saw the skyscraper coming down yesterday with a 2,000 palm or several bombs. When you have taken a position and say those lives aren't as valuable, 1,200 dead people, 30,000 dead people. Uh, I am sorry. At that time, the paradigms has changed. Just like Matt Gates got mad because we showed love with what's called the National Black Anthem, but refuses to see that we have always sung a, an anthem that has pretty much demeaned many of us. Many have been demeaned. We don't sing the third uh, v- uh, verse of the anthem, but it's a part of the anthem. And we have sung that anthem, non-stop people have lost job copernic copernic uh, uh, per- has lost his job because he knelt during the anthem justifiably so justifiably so so don't first of all ask me i sing the national anthem of panama i sing the national anthem of the united states and I sing the national anthem of the, uh, the black national anthem. I'll sing them all. Knowing that it is not the words in, verse, uh, in verse, uh, the verse three, most Americans know nothing about it. In fact, we should change the national anthem. There's a lot of stuff we should change. We should change that Christopher Columbus is some sort of a hero. We should, we should, we should get rid of all this crap. That ask people who were oppressed by a particular group—not group, not group uh, oppressed by a particular set of leaders. You know, uh, we can keep. You want to keep their statues up and all that crap? That's fine. I'm not going to see the statues, but to ask us to learn in school that these guys were heroes, that the persons who considered me three-fifths of a person need to have to be deified. I'm sorry. That's asking too much. None of you that isn't melanated would would be asked to do that or would do that. So think about it, folks. See through my eyes. See through my eyes. See through the eyes of your brothers and sisters that have been oppressed in some form or the other. Read the books where... That indigenous child has to read about them being savages. Again, it's so easy. It is so easy to simply jump on some Matt Gates right-wing bandwagon. But anyway, yesterday, or rather on Saturday, I went to this event and I, I interviewed uh I interviewed Cornel West. So I have two pieces of play for Cornel West. The first one is a seven minute piece and the other one is I think a 20 minute piece. So let's go ahead and listen to the interview that I did with Cornel West and you'll see much of what he said, what we spoke about. I was a guest at a Cornell uh, West fundraiser. It was called An Afternoon with Cornell West. And uh, it was put on by a group of Muslims within the community. It was uh, pretty organic. And Cornell West gave a hell of a speech. Before the speech, I decided to go ahead and interview him. I got about five minutes or so to spend with him before he went on stage. But I tell you what, most importantly, he came at a fundraiser that raised a whole lot of money for him. Interestingly, they did so out of frustration of the current administration's disregard for them all together. Sitting at the table, one of the women said, when a particular congresswoman was running. She came to the Muslim community and she collected quite a bit in fundraising, et cetera, and said she would be back to talk about their issues, including uh, what's going on in Gaza, which would have been for now. And she did never showed up again. Similarly, now, with what's going on in Gaza, there has not been any substantive care with how the systematic murder of Palestinians have affected this community in its core. So they got up and they decided to react. And one of that reaction is adopting somebody who actually spoke to them, someone who feel their pain. And to them, that person that they brought in to support and to ensure that he gets ballot access in Texas was Cornell West. I wanted to, Listen to the short conversation that we had, and then we'll take it on the other side. Dr.
1: Cornell West, uh, presidential candidate, independent ticket. Uh, Thank you for being here uh, with Politics Done Right. First of all, uh, why did you decide to enter the uh, presidential race as an independent?
2: Well, it's very important. Important working people of all colors have somebody deeply concerned about their flight and their predicament. Unfortunately, we have a two-party system, both of them deeply tied to Wall Street, deeply tied to war, and seem to be unable to even speak publicly and passionately about a genocide in real time. And when you're talking about Palestinian children, you're talking about Palestinian women and Palestinian men, that's not a political issue. It's not a matter of electoral Machiavellian calculation of interest. It's deep moral and deep spiritual issues. And unfortunately, it's very clear that both parties seem to be beyond redemption when it comes to speaking to the plight and predicament, not just the Palestinians in Gaza, but the poor and working people in the United States as well.
1: Now, you gave an inspiring speech yesterday where you talked about the realignment of the, the American citizenry in general. Which I think is pretty important because it is starting to say that, remember the Powell memo and the institutions that oh, came yeah. about from the Powell memo? Those things are starting to lose their effect on people. People are starting to think more on their own. Do you think this is something that will continue or do you think the advent of a Donald Trump possibly becoming coming into power will kind of snuff that out?
2: But we're at a moment now where things are so unprecedented, they're fluctuating, they're visional intensity. We don't really know exactly what's going to happen. It depends on what we do. That's one reason why I'm so very blessed to be here in this consecrated place in Houston. Because we've got to tell the truth to the American people and let them know that you can't have a Republican Party that's leading us to civil war or a Republican Party that's leading us to world war. We have to have alternative voices alternative analysis and alternative solidarities, but we have to do it together. And we have to have spokespersons
1: and leaders who are not garden variety politicians, but tell the truth and respect the people enough to fight the death. Now, they, I, I know they're about to start, but they have concertedly taken you out of the media now that you're running. What can you do about it to get the exposure that you need?
2: Well, no, the media's been very kind to me. CNN has been kind, MSNBC's never had. But a BBC,
1: Bottom Line, of Al Jazeera,
2: actually, I'm surprised that the media's been as kind to me. Give me the message that I have, and they may try to cut me off later on. But uh, but they've been relatively kind. I use whatever I can,
1: whatever platform, whatever weaponry to be true through the quest for truth and justice and love. Last question: symmetry of what occurring, the asymmetry of what's occurring in Israel and Gaza right now. What's your thoughts about uh, somehow we are not seeing? It that asymmetric effect of the amount of murdered Palestinians versus what we have uh, in, in Israel proper? Well,
2: one is that, unfortunately, I think, sadly, tragically, we still have a culture and a media that doesn't believe that a precious Palestinian life has the same value as a precious Israeli life. And I have no patience with that kind of racism, and that kind of tribalism, that kind of chauvinism. And we see it over and over again. And that's why it's very important for us to not just raise our voices, but our bodies and come together and let the world know that a Palestinian baby is as precious as any baby in the world,
1: including my own baby. Dr. Cornel West, thank you for having spoken to
0: Politics and Rights. Oh, thank you so much brother. You can't help but really feel What Cornell is talking about, Dr. West is talking about, because I don't think there's anything that he said that we could disagree with. The only thing that what many would say is, Well, is a vote for him a wasted vote? Well, I'll tell you after being in that room, these people don't see a vote as a wasted vote. They see their vote as a message. And wherever Wherever things fall, they're willing to accept that given the way that they feel disregarded from those they have given their support election after election. Uh, he says, Egberto Willis, this explains it. Lift every voice and sing. A song often called the Black National Anthem was sung before the Super Bowl for the fourth year in a row Sunday. This year, Grammy winner Andra Day sang the tune after a ceremony For the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, the inclusion of the Black National Anthem along with the Star-Spangled Banner and America the Beautiful has been met with both praise and criticism. But the tradition continues nonetheless. Let's take a closer look at the Black National Anthem. Why is the Black National Anthem sung before the Super Bowl? The NFL began having a singer- perform Lift Every Voice and Sing Before the Super Bowl in 2020 in the wake of racial and social justice protests in the United States following the death of George Floyd. At the time, the NFL committed to sing the Black National Anthem Before the Star Spangled Banner ahead of every NFL game during week one of that season. The NFL also announced it would commit $250 million over 10 years to social justice initiatives during this 2020 movement Targeting what it calls systemic racism and supporting the battle against the ongoing and historic injustices faced African Americans. Look, it is essential now for uh, for us to not cower to when it comes to items like this. Sing the darn uh, the other national anthem. Go ahead and if if you feel uh, if uh, we, it is time for us to be honest about who we are, what we've done, and what we continue to do. So. Um, As Cornell said, I am with that 100%. Hey, uh, somebody called a few minutes ago. Please go ahead and call back because while I'm doing the videos, I don't want to take the calls. And I have another video to play. I'm going to wait for that call a a couple of minutes before I start the video. But when that other video starts, it's a 20-minute speech that, uh, that, uh, that Cornell gave. I mean, it was an excellent speech that needs to be heard. So I taped it, and I said I was going to play it. On the show today i want to address something else uh, that i saw uh in in the link i think um uh mike sees i said egberto can we convince the muslims to give up their call to kill all jews that's where the split is in the democratic party you have jews and muslims you are basically asking the jews to accept the muslim call to kill all the jews that is the most ridiculous statement i've ever heard i i continue to be amazed that we see the disparity in debts we see the disparity in debts, but your lying eyes cannot see that. Yes, uh Jews, there are Jews who hate Muslims, there are Muslims who hate Jews. That's a statement of fact. This we have that 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 reality in America as well. There are people who are racist in America, and, and by the way, that's both black, white, and otherwise who are racist in America, and they just they just hate for the sake of hating. All right. That's not me. You know, I love everybody. I love my black brothers, my white brothers, my my Asian brothers, my every brothers, right? And sisters, I mean, right? But there are people who hate. But this fallacy that you want to have, that somehow it's, it's, it, it's uh, asymmetrical on the Muslim side, that there are Muslims just wanting to go and attack Jews, and many a times the feeling is mutual, right? And what I always tell people is don't, don't, listen to, don't listen to what people are saying. Watch what they are doing. And if you take a look at the death rate, let's look at Jewish deaths, Muslim deaths. In this this most recent event, 1,200 Jews, 30,000 plus Muslims, Uh, infrastructure in Israel almost intact, decimated Gaza with settlement going on all through the West Bank. That is the reality. And to ask people not to believe what they're seeing is, in effect, it's not just frustrating, but it should be shameful on those who try to make it seem less asymmetric asymmetric than it is. The truth of the matter is the people feeling the pain, the people doing the suffering right now, are whom? Muslims! You go ahead and look at Gaza, you see a tent city as far as the eye can see. No sewage, no nothing. Why? Because the supposedly uh, uh, Israeli IDF has decimated the thing. Believe your eyes. Believe your eyes. It's not lying to you. Anyway, since I didn't get that second call, I'm going to go ahead and start the other uh, video. This is going to be about 20 minutes, so this will end at 57, I believe, 56. And if somebody calls after, then I'll take it. But let's go ahead and do that call. I mean, do that, that, that new video right now.
2: The first thing I want to say is that there's a sweet spirit in this place. I felt it when I walked in You can't have a sweet spirit unless there's a soulfulness. You see, I come from a soulful people. And soul ain't nothing but the sharing of a soothing sweetness against the backdrop of a grim catastrophe. And the catastrophes take a number of different forms, but you have to be clear and candid and honest about speaking directly about the catastrophes and never reduce The catastrophes, to a problem. Catastrophes are catastrophes. You see, there's four fundamental questions for any serious wrestling of he or she who decides to raise their voice and speak directly about various forms of catastrophe. The first is, how shall integrity face oppression? And integrity has to do with what? Dealing. Digging very deep in the dark corners of your own soul and straightening your back up and having the courage to speak honestly about catastrophe. The second question is, what does honesty do in the face of deception, of lies and lies and high crimes? And we're living in a moment. Where the lies are being exposed, the veil is being ripped off, and those lies and high crimes mean that sooner or later, as the great Malcolm X used to say, chickens
0: come on the roots. You're going to reap what you sow. Truth crushed
2: the earth shall rise again, and the condition of truth is to allow suffering to speak. This is an unprecedented moment. It's a pivotal moment in the history of Houston, the history of Texas, the history of the American Empire, the history of the world, and what is so pivotal about it, because something is happening, paradigms are collapsing, frameworks are melting, people are waking up. And look at American politics. American politics has been for so long two parties tied to Wall Street and war. Eight trillion dollars spent on war since 2001 in Iraq. And yet when it comes to health care and education and jobs with a living wage and adequate housing, we can't find a penny. That's one of the to tie it on to. That's been word. Oh, well, you can find money for mass incarceration to put my brothers and sisters disproportionately black and brown in that gender. You can find big money for that. You can find money for the police. How come you don't talk about the abolition of poverty the way this campaign does? How come you don't talk about the abolition of poverty the way this campaign does? How come you don't talk about the in way, way the way this campaign does? Why don't you be honest about your organized creed and your institutionalized hatred and your routinized indifference that the great rabbi Hatcher used to say what? Indifference to evil is more insidious than evil itself. That's true. It could be the suffering in Houston. It could be the suffering on the border. It could be the suffering where I live, in Harlem, New York. It could be the suffering in Lagos. But right now, the fundamental litmus test. Of the precious Palestinian children and women and men who are undergoing not just a crime against humanity, not just a war crime, but the crime of genocide has a distinctive quality to it. If you would think there would be voices in every corner of Congress, every corner of the Democratic Party, every corner of the country, where are? Voices. I come from a people who, anthem is lift every voice, not lift every echo. You got a lot of echoes and silos. All you have to do is listen to the politicians. Well, I, I think I might use the word ceasefire sooner or later. Let me check and see how things are going. Let's see what the polls say. No, we want to know what you believe deep down in your gut. We don't want to know what your brand is. What kind of commitment do you have to a cause? A brand ain't nothing but a market strategy to help you get along with your next career and your next election. The cause is something deeper. What are you willing to sacrifice for? What kind of burden are you willing to bear? What kind of voice are you willing to bring to bear as it relates to catastrophe? Now see, I come from the blues, people. The blues is about catastrophe. Didi King say, nobody loves me but my mama, and she might be driving too. (laughs) I mean, we laugh, but that's like Sophocles' Antigone is. That's catastrophe. All the forces in the world against you and you thought your mama was with you, and you find out she might be driving too. Be what you talking about. But in the face of a catastrophe is what? A voice, a smile, joy, Freedom Cream. catastrophe never having the last word. We're here in part because what is happening in Gaza is creating new paradigms and new frameworks, not just in Houston, not just in Texas, not just in the American empire, but all around the world. People are seeing the lies, they're seeing the crimes. They're seeing the lack of integrity. i was reading the other day. Biden talking about blood and I'm, I'm very deeply concerned about the civilians. You don't say. Please, we were born at night, but not last night. (laughs) 14,000 precious Palestinian children. of a great God you don't even use intellectual strategy as your brain when you're talking about human beings especially innocent children that's what has been missing in American politics and I come from a legacy of Martin King and Fanny Lou Heyman, and Edward Zayi Rabbi Hesha Malcolm X Curtis Mayfield, John Coltrane, Aretha Franklin. The artists mean much to me, and they go hand in hand with the morality and spirituality in this moment of barbarity. That's why the paradigms are collapsing. That's why the frameworks are melting. That's why the establishment in the Republican Party collapsed. The neo fascist named Donald Trump took over. Donald Trump has been a bona fide gangster for 45 years. I I met him in the casinos 45 years ago. He's exactly the same person. (laughs) No development, no maturation, no breakthroughs whatsoever. What you see is what you get. He's never acted as if he's got integrity, honesty, decency, no whatsoever. He's been a gangster consistently. And yet he 91 counts can still be leading in the election based on the polls. I don't know who these pollsters are calling. Have any of you all received a call from a pollster? So it must be on other parts of town. <laughs> He's leading the country towards the second civil war. Hatred. Revenge. Then Biden says, I'm not the almighty, I'm the alternative. <laughs> and I said, My dear brother, let's take a good look at you. <laughs> the architect of mass incarceration had bragged about it for 30 years. Those were my brothers and sisters in that pulp slave, the barbaric prison system, bailing out of Wall Street rather than homeowners with Brother Obama. Wall Street executives engaged in crimes inside of trade, market manipulation, predatory living, and fraudulent activities. How many Wall Street executives went to jail? None. Zero! Zero! Let any poor working person, black or brown of any color, get caught, get caught with some drugs. Straight to jail. Double standards hypocrisy across the board. And then my dear brother Biden had the nerve to say he wants to redeem the soul of the nation. That is precisely the same motto that Martin Luther King Jr. used when he founded the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in New Orleans. April 1957, to redeem the soul of the nation. You gonna use Martin Luther King Jr.'s language? Who said that a, a, a Vietnamese baby has the same value as an American baby? If you're going to use his language, but if you believe that a Palestinian baby, as I do, has exactly the same value as any other baby in the world, an Israeli baby, an Iranian
1: baby, an Ethiopian baby, a Guatemalan baby, a Texan baby, a Mexican
2: baby, then you wouldn't have to worry about it being so late and talking about protecting innocent civilians, you don't believe it in your heart. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows of those were European babies and European innocent civilians. Everybody knows of those were precious Jewish babies and Jewish civilians. The U.S. government would, would have a qualitatively different
1: response. That's the kind of racism I had no patience for whatsoever. <laughs> and
2: number is, that's for politics it's a matter of morality and spirituality that has political consequences but doesn't begin with politics because if you begin with politics you only listen to the folk who have big money big power and will say to the rest of us you have no choice <clears throat> you have no other options, you have no other alternatives. Well, I come from a black people who have been told 400 years that Pharaoh is on both sides of the bloody Red Sea. That's a serious situation, isn't it? You can imagine folk in the back seat saying, I think it's time for somebody to sing a song. <laughs> it's time for somebody to pray it's time for somebody to grab their child and hug them and remember the sparkle in their eye of their grandmother and grandfather and say, we got something that the powers that we can never take away we just can't find a way out and right now we have this choice of Republican Civil War number two Democrats World War three Beginning in the Middle East, but maybe Russia and Ukraine, maybe with China and Taiwan, and sixty-two cents for every one dollar in the discretionary budget going to the military. That's what it is—the liberal empire. It reminds me of the Roman Empire that began to. Be- can decline, owing to military overreach abroad, corruption of elites, no alternative for citizens, citizens feeling powerless and hopeless, and then here comes a tyrannical Pied Piper saying, I will restore order. Thank you, Mr. Julius Caesar. Cato's going to kill himself. Cicero runs out of gas, and Spartacus tries to engage in insurgency, but each and every one of them are executed. I don't believe history repeats itself. (laughs) We can learn from the past. there have been 70 empires in the history of the species. The United States is number 68. And every empire comes and goes when it no longer accesses the best of itself. And this campaign is trying to reintroduce to America the best of itself, and it begins with Martin King and Fanny Little and those who White vote. It
1: begins with courageous persons who raise their voices and say, we
2: want the truth allow the suffering to speak. We want justice, and justice is what love looks like in public, and therefore we want to be full of empathy for anybody who suffers, no matter what color or gender or national identity. But at the moment, the litmus test is genocide in Gaza. And if you can't meet that litmus test, then all else that you have to present is empty and fatuous. He's soreness and teaching And already the attacks are beginning. Very intense. And it's always a good sign. I feel that I'm highly complimented when I receive vicious attacks. Because I have a calling, not a brain. I have a deep commitment to a a cause, not just a career. <coughs> Living under death threat for the last 35 years, so it doesn't bother me. I'm a Jesus loving free black man in the way in which you are a lot loving free black men. <laughs> This is for you to get freed up when you feel as if you're doing exactly what you've been called to do. Not in the spirit of self-righteousness, but you find joy in the struggle. You find joy in a love even as you are doing something that seems to have a chance of a snowball in hell. But lo and behold, you step out on nothing and land on something. That's what faith is. That's what deeds deep faith is. In this campaign, it will never be destroyed by the threats. In the same way that this particular body that I have may go, but the spirit will never be destroyed. Because truth, because justice, because love, in the end, will never go out of style. And there'll always be a cloud of witnesses who will come after. So this campaign ain't nothing but a moment in a movement trying to be so when Sharon sharing sweetness gets back to us of catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. And we do it with a smile. We do it with joy. It's difficult because we've rose the Ten Commandments financially. We don't have a lot of flow. See $27 million. Even Brother RFKJR got 27 million dollars. I said, oh, he got 27 million dollars. That's not his money. Who is giving him money? Well, we was telling some of the Trump people giving him frails, 14 packs, and so forth. No way, poor people can't We got organized people. We got strong spirit. We got strong vision. But we do need some money. <laughs> no doubt about that. But the moment in which that money becomes idolatrous, The moment in which that money becomes the very thing that determines what you think and what you do and how you act and how you laugh and how you love, your campaign is over. You become just another garden variety political project. At this particular historical moment, we don't need garden variety politics. We we need new paradigms and new frameworks. We need new visions. The younger generation understands this very, very well. And it's up to us to be examples to our precious young people. because they know they're living in an unprecedented moment. They know this is a biblical moment. And they're wondering, okay, mom, okay, dad. Maybe we got some grandparents in there too like me. Okay, granddad, okay, grandma. What are you gonna do with this moment? Where do you stand on genocide? Where do you stand on U.S. foreign policy? Where do you stand on justice as it relates to poor and working people around the world? Where do you stand on those issues that will define the times here and many, many years to come? The question becomes, can we do it? It's an open question. It depends how much integrity, honesty, courage we really have. If history is always unpredictable, incomplete and unfinished, what we do in the present determines what happens in the future. And so it's a beautiful thing to be able to come together. And I can grant you this, that to the degree to which the mainstream, including the Democratic Party, more and more see deep solidarity of black people, of brown people, of courageous, visionary people of all colors with Muslims and Arabs and Palestinians, they don't know what to do. They do not know what to do. And you tell them, this is not a question of ordinary politics. We're not just talking about interest. We're talking about humanity. We're talking about Palestinian dignity and Palestinian equality. We're talking about creating a Palestine in which life can flourish so that apartheid, so that the cleansing, so the genocide has absolutely no presence whatsoever, and we don't stop there. We go to other parts of the country of the world, but we begin there at the moment because of the litmus test that it is. So, it, so much depends on ourselves, and I can simply say to you, if there's a jazz man, I'm going to go down fighting and swinging. <laughs>
0: fightin', fighting,
2: fighting, to the Swinging for the kill, Swinging for the innocent ones. Swing, swinging for those whose humanity is so often rendered invisible even in the corporate media why because it's right because it's moral and because it's just and then the political consequences flow that's what disjabbing is all about thank you all for being so good
0: now let me tell you i get it when people say you know uh He's not going to win. You know who knows he's not going to win? He does. And uh, But the one thing that occurs in these elections is you have to change the paradigm. And let me explain this because a lot of people don't get this. What Biden is doing right now in Israel without any pushback, or I shouldn't say without any pushback, but pretty much taking the Muslim community for granted pretty much taking people of good faith for granted, uh, taking humanity for granted. If he doesn't do something to correct that, people won't come out to vote for him. And I, what I saw in that room was very surprising. It was Muslim organization and you know, I mean, and uh, you know, and sitting at the table, uh, talking about where this is occurring all over the country. This is also occurring in Detroit, occurring in different parts of Michigan, Grand Rapids, etc. And that they're they're organizing, they're mobilizing against against a Biden that is supporting what they see what I see as well, as a genocide. Now, let me be frank. I'm voting for Biden. And a lot of those people in there, in as much as they're giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to, uh, to Cornell, which should really, would have been so much more, you know, if we really were into Biden, that could do so much more. A lot of these people there, in fact, a couple of them told me, yeah, I gave 3300 We need to get his voice out. But we're voting for Biden. But a lot of our other people are not. And they need to have the wherewithal to push a guy who's speaking his language with the expectation that it gets to Biden who is blind. You know, these they actually think that they can just go ahead and harm a group of people. And then come back and say, either you don't have anywhere else to go or look at the other guy. He's so much worse than I am. A lot of these guys are saying, well, give me the guy that's worse just to, just to show you that your morality was suspect. And I'm willing to take and sacrifice and take the pain for that. How much longer are you actually going to ask me, wait my turn, wait my turn, allow it to slide? You know whose turn never come? you got it. you know whose turn never come, so I get it. I get it, and I understand the fear that many have oh my god, third party uh uh Cornell West is going to create a problem. Cornell West is a good guy, Kennedy is in that case, but Cornell West is a good guy. Cornell West is a humanist. Cornell West is the one who believe in humanity, and the expectation is that Biden and the party will say oh my god we need to shape up because the young people they believe in humanity gen z uh gen y millennials they believe in humanity and what Biden is sanctioning right now in gaza is in it's inhumanity it's genocide it's the murder of too many not too many the murder of one is enough and until and the cornell when as people see cornell get more uh more support and i tell you i was shocked he he raised probably a hundred thousand dollars in that small room i was shocked and that is happening in Muslim community after Muslim community after Muslim community. You know, he's looking for ballot access in Texas, which uh, he likely get. He, he came on a swing to raise a million dollars. He likely rose, uh, raised much more than that. So he'll likely get onto the ballot. Egberto, not good, but we know how he feels. Joe Biden privately calls Netanyahu an a-hole as Israel leader give him hell the u.s president has expressed nothing but respect in public but behind closed doors is said to be growing tired of with israel bridge understand that that doesn't help uh oh he got mad in the back right but ever he's, he's mad in the background but more babies are dying you know he could say i cut the strings today and netanyahu would have to stop like like Reagan did to Net, to I don't remember the the the, uh, the guy then, the U.S. president has become privately frustrated with his Israel counterpart. He should have been privately frustrated from the beginning. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you get where I'm coming from. Uh, folks, read what Bridge has put out there. It's important. I know started with not good. Uh, okay, let's see what else we got. Hope without action is begging that someone else will do what you're hoping for. There are no superheroes in the world to make such happen. Very true. I got to get out of here. I didn't realize I'm I'm up by two minutes. Folks, please support the show. Uh, We need your support the best you can. You can support us by going to politicsandright.com slash support, politicsandright.com slash support. Support us in whatever manner you can, however you can. Uh, we have different options there to support, but likewise, please subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, it's free, but we are asking you to become a paid subscriber of our newsletter. Politicsandright.com/newsletter. Politicsandright.com/newsletter. We really need your support. We are going into the. We are in the core of the primaries now, and we must get these votes folks we must get the right people in the primaries elected that is how it works you have to do it in the primaries and we're working hard to make sure we get progressives out in the primaries and then elected in the uh, in the major in, in, in the in the um you know in the in the real thing so please folks give us uh, uh send us to go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter to support us uh, and please become a paid subscriber of our newsletter, politicsandright.com/newsletter, and support us however else you can by going to politicsandright.com/support. I'm going to put both of these links back in the feed again. Politicsandright.com/support is there in the feed, as well as politicsandright.com/newsletter. We cannot do this without you. We do need your support, and I ask you so kindly support the program we cannot do it without you my name is Egberto Willis this is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this baby I am what out